Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include a bad interest rate market, my interview with Linda Case of TMS on servicing, boarding, and escrow and how she solves some of these issues, and an FAQ Capital Markets Q&A. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Appraisal Logistics. Just this year, Appraisal Logistics decided to make AIM Port, their appraisal management platform that has propelled them to success as an AMC, available for mortgage lenders looking to get a better handle on their own appraisal operations. AIM Port is a dynamic appraisal management platform that reduces costs, improves operational efficiency, and elevates the borrower experience for lenders who are seeking to maximize returns in these market conditions. Born from Appraisal Logistics, a full-service AMC licensed in all 50 states, AIM Port's robust Integrations, custom automations, and granular reporting tools are battle-tested daily by their own staff and their many lender clients. Lenders using AI import experience improved internal communication, automatic order allocation, seamless payment processing, and much more. Reach out to info at aim-port.com to join the growing list of mortgage lenders seeing improvements in appraisal operations. That's info at aim-port.com. Yesterday, before the yield on the risk-free U.S. two-year note rose to four and a quarter percent, I mentioned Myrtle the cat being offered a big signing bonus by the family next door because word of her mousing prowess is spread. Myrtle's tight-lipped on the details, which are assumed to involve plentiful halibut and wild salmon, but it did result in contemplating a possible retention bonus of a new scratching post and a catnip-infused cloth mouse. She seems to be thinking it over. Meanwhile, as rumors are running amok that publicly held Finance of America is selling its dedicated retail group to G-Rate, lenders everywhere are stunned with the bond market and interest rates. Forget the assumptions that were built into signing bonuses a year ago, as those are going to hell in a handbasket. This interest rate market is bad. Yes, people still need home financing, but the sticker shock really is bad. (laughs) And probably not in a way that Richard Pryor would have said. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Linda Case, Senior Vice President of Loan Administration at TMS. Ms. Case brings more than 30 years of experience to her position, and her wide range of experience spans from originations to REO sales, making her a valuable asset to TMS's fast-growing servicing team. Since joining the company four years ago, she's helped spearhead many technology-enabled initiatives. Under her leadership, she strengthened TMS's industry-leading servicing team, through her risk management, property and casualty insurance, customer service, mortgage servicing, and program implementation expertise. She's held leadership positions at Loancraft and TransUnion Settlement Solutions, and prior to joining TMS, she was SVP of Client Implementations and Major Account Advocacy at Proctor Financial. Can you fill our audience in for those that might not know what a service transfer is uh, and, and kind of how it occurs in the process for that? Sure. So a service transfer is really just what it sounds like. It's when the loan servicing transfers from one servicer to a different servicer. And the process for that is to have both servicers engaged. Um, there's you know, a fairly typical protocol, but the main thing that has to occur between the two servicers is planning, execution, and making sure all the loans that are in the transfer 
get transferred properly in order to avoid customer impact. Yeah, so let's talk about boarding these loans. When they get transferred, what are common errors that occur and, and what's the root cause of those errors? And, and I guess if we want to go one step further, how, how's that being remedied as technology advances? Um, that's a great question. So I wouldn't say that there's necessarily um, common errors, at least in the way that um, we perform our service transfers, because an extensive amount of due diligence occurs with the data and the documentation well in advance of the service transfer. And everyone, for example, on our transfer team knows that they have the full authority to stop or delay a service transfer if we don't feel like we have absolutely everything we need to complete the transfer accurately. But even if you do all the planning in the world um, and all the proper execution, the service transfer itself, it's next to impossible to um, say that it would have no impact on the customers because even um, if there's no impact to the actual transfer itself, the customer is gonna experience a new loan number, a new payment address, new contact information, so they're going to have to take some action, for example, if they've had automatic bill pay set up either through their current servicer or through their bank. So really, there's no way to make a service transfer invisible to a borrower. And that's why we have to take such great care to make sure that the transfer itself leaves the borrower with a great experience. And I want to talk about that customer experience people are naturally going to be dismayed or, or maybe best case scenario, a little confused when they see a different company's letterhead at the top of their uh, monthly P&I statement. What are ways to maximize customer satisfaction or, or maybe minimize customer confusion or disappointment? Well, what we do um, at TMS is we do go into every service transfer with sort of the customer experience being the primary driver. And we expect that while we have experience with service transfers, most of our customers are going to be uneasy. They're not going to really know what to expect. It's probably going to be something that they um, wish they weren't going to have to go through. Um, unfortunately, while customers have a lot of choices up front in the origination process about what they do and what their experience will be from a service uh, transfer perspective, there are no choice. So they do not get to choose their servicer. And because that's um, true, we feel like the more communication we have with the customer, both pre-transfer and at the time of transfer, where we can explain to the customer exactly what it is that they can expect helps our customers through the transition. And we have actually seen on our end that by implementing additional communications around the transfer process is we greatly uh, impact the customer experience in a positive way. I have a note here that says to talk with you about capturing what occurred at loan closing. Can you expand on that and the importance of capturing what occurred at loan closing and, and you know what, what services are looking for? 
Absolutely. So some service transfers occur shortly after the loan closing. And because of that, in these cases, what occurred at the time of loan closing is critical to making sure that we have everything we need to perform for that customer without any issues, especially in the first year. So what happens when a new loan closes and the servicer um, is taking on that loan for uh, servicing purposes, that one of the first things that they have to do is set up tracking that makes sure that the property taxes are getting paid and that property insurance is maintained. And this tracking is necessary whether or not an escrow account has been established. During the process, historically, there's been a longstanding set of assumptions about what should have occurred during the loan closing. And so when the tracking is being set up for taxes and insurance, it's based on assumptions about what happened at loan closing. So because we don't wanna work with assumptions, uh, that can mean the customer has a negative experience because something that was assumed happened at loan closing didn't actually happen at loan closing, what we do is we invest in more time in data collection upfront. And with our business partners, we require them to send us additional information in our data file that tells us precisely what happened at loan closing. So it will tell us if an escrow account was established, whether or not taxes or insurance were paid at closing. We collect the contact information from the closing agent. So this way, if there's any discrepancy about a payment being due that was collected for at closing, we can work directly with the closing agent to find out where those funds went. And by doing this, even though it's a time investment up front, when we set up our tracking, we set it up with the knowledge of exactly what happened at loan closing. And we don't presume that things got paid at closing that may not have gotten paid. So because we take the investment time up front and are proactive with our customized process, we know that even though the customers may not realize it and know it, we know that because we're obsessed with a great customer experience, that it pays to put the extra effort up front so we can avoid issues for the customer later on. There's almost always issues that happen when it comes to, to future taxes. Can you talk about some creative solutions that TMS is implementing or has implemented to uh, help us? Yeah, so um, even if we set up our tracking with great precision um, because of our proactive approach to how we set up our tax tracking, there are certain scenarios where it can be really tricky on escrowed loans related to property taxes. And that's because there are special nuances that occur with the taxing authority when the loan is either newly constructed or if the property is located in an area of the country where because of an ownership change, there's a tax value change, which then um, results in a tax amount change. And so what traditionally happens is that when the tax tracking is established, it's based on the current tax bill. And depending on the timing of the taxing authority for updating their tax bill, as the new servicer, we may require to remit payment on the current tax bill 
which may in fact be much lower than what was estimated at closing. Um, it could just be based on vacant land or it's based on the old owner's tax rates. And so what can happen in that case is that the escrow gets impacted because it gives a false impression that there's an overcollection and an overage in the customer's escrow account. And so what will happen is the escrow account will get analyzed, the customer's payment ends up getting reduced, but it's falsely reduced. And all we do is end up creating a shortage in the future. So in the first year of servicing, what often a customer will experience is sort of this payment bouncing. And that is anything but a great experience. So what we do is quite different in which um, will we analyze the current tax bill and we pay it? We have a customized um, approach to the tax tracking that allows us to continue with the escrow collection that was anticipated at closing and automatically pre-adjust for the future tax amount. So this way, the customer's first year payment doesn't swing. And again, just another example of how our obsession with a great customer experience goes into practice. So we know that the first year of servicing, we often see this and our approach to our customized way of doing it eliminates it for our customers. And I want to close by kind of continuing this trend of talking about the future. Where do you see servicing evolving from, from here when it comes to customer experience or, or processes uh, when it, with uh, boarding loans or kind of open-ended question for you? CFPB, for good reason, fortunately, puts a lot of focus on loan service transfers in clearly the perspective of the customer experience. Um, they rightfully put out guidelines knowing that, look, this is a piece the customer has no control over. They do not get to pick their servicer. And so for that reason, they've established um, a guideline that says, hey, to do this right, these are all the things that we expect a servicer to do. And I do see um, in our marketplace um, more and more loan servicers like TMS taking a much more customer-friendly approach, making sure that we take the time we need to execute a proper service transfer. Um, and I do know, at least at TMS, and hopefully others um, in our marketplace do the same, we track the results of the service transfer extensively. So every issue that gets reported gets reported through the service transfer team and a specialized team does root cause analysis to make sure that whatever that particular issue was, was it isolated to one loan? Did it affect multiple loans? And we utilize that data over time to constantly improve our process and be proactive about preventing issues in the future. And if ourselves and others in the industry take a similar approach, we should be on a good pathway so that when customers do experience a service transfer, some of those legacy issues and pain points that we hear about should be eliminated. Linda, thank you very much for taking the time today. I, uh, I appreciate your thoughtfulness and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on the podcast soon. 
Thank you, Robbie. I appreciate you as well. Question, why are rates going up? Answer, there's a lot of cash sitting in cash right now. Traders and investors are in no rush to deploy their capital into riskier assets due to the grim economic outlook, but also in no rush to place their capital into less risky mortgage-backed securities due to the Fed pushing interest rates higher to tame inflation, making cash king. Even with bond prices at multi-year lows, and therefore rates at multi-year highs, investors realize that the central bank is unlikely to abandon its hawkish policy tilt anytime soon, subduing sentiment. As a result, the 10-year rate yesterday climbed as much as 24 basis points to almost 3.93%, its highest level since April 2010. Mortgage rates for 30-year products are well above 6%, if not in the 7s. Question, when are rates going back down? Answer, originators need to consider why they'd go back down, or how. Supply and demand may shift, but with the Fed no longer buying mortgage-backed securities or treasuries, that is not likely. Well, when there's a new pandemic or recession, but nobody wants that, right? That kind of leaves us with rates coming back down when the inflation rate drops, and few are predicting that to happen until 2023. Question, what are most lenders doing about it? Answer, Most are offering new programs and products or promoting adjustable rate or 15-year loans. Certainly, the value of mortgage servicing rights is doing well, but that impacts a company's balance sheet, and if a company doesn't have servicing income, they're sitting there watching their volume decline into the autumn and winter, trying to cut costs fast enough to keep up with lost volume. Remember that last week the Fed reaffirmed its commitment to aggressively fight inflation with another 75 base point rate hike, as well as signaling further increases to the Fed funds rate. The economic forecast released following last week's meeting confirmed the Fed expects inflation to remain above its 2% target longer and that a recession could be likely next year. Even though the Fed funds target is now at 3.25%, the current level of inflation means that the real rate is still negative. If the latest projections hold, continued rate increases combined with declining inflation would put real rates above zero at some point in the second quarter of 2023. With the projected 2023 target Fed funds rate firmly above current levels, the Fed's Open Market Committee eliminated any suggestion of a pivot to accommodative monetary policy next year, as inflation is expected to remain above the preferred level into 2024. For the moment, it appears the higher rate environment will continue and home buyers will need to weigh future home price movements against the possibility of higher mortgage rates. But our bond markets don't trade in a vacuum, and one needs to look around the world somewhat, the dollar is doing very well compared to other currencies. The pound sterling hit an all-time low yesterday, but Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey ruled out an emergency hike in rates between meetings. And in addition, the People's Bank of China said it is raising risk reserve requirements for banks involved in forward foreign exchange trading to 20% from 0%. The dollar's strength is also a problem for stocks and creates an untenable situation for risk assets that historically has ended in a financial or economic crisis, or both. What's amazing is that this dollar strength is happening even as other major central banks are also tightening monetary policy at a historically hawkish pace. U.S. rates are rising as the market reprices peak Fed funds higher and equities are being repriced lower. Today's calendar is packed with data, Fed speakers, and supply. On the data front, there's August durable goods orders, Redbook same-store sales, followed shortly afterwards by house price indices for July from S&P, Case-Shiller, as well as FHFA, Markets then received consumer confidence for September, August new home sales, Richmond Fed Manufacturing and Services Indexes, and Dallas Fed Texas Servicing. 
FedSpeak includes remarks from Chicago's Evans, Fed Chair Powell, Minneapolis's Kashkari, San Francisco's Daily, and St. Louis's Bullard. Treasury will auction $44 billion of five-year notes, and we begin the day with agency MBS prices better by a quarter, and the 10-year yielding 3.81 after closing Monday at 3.88%. Call it a dead cat bounce. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Einstein dies and goes to heaven. He's informed upon arrival that his room is not yet ready. St. Peter says, I hope you will not mind waiting in a dormitory. We're very sorry, but this is the best we can do, and you'll have to share a room with others. So Einstein says, that's perfectly fine, and there isn't any need for a big fuss. He gets led to his dorm, where Einstein's introduced to the current residents. So St. Peter goes, well, here's your first roommate. He has an IQ of 180. Why, that's splendid, exclaims Einstein. We can discuss literature. And here's your second roommate. She has an IQ of 150. What fun, exclaims Einstein. We can discuss mathematics. Meet your third roommate. His IQ is 100. Jolly good, exclaims Einstein. We can discuss the latest plays showing at the theater. Just then, another gentleman comes up to greet Einstein and shakes his hand. I'm your last roommate, and I wanted to apologize in advance. My IQ is only 80. So Einstein smiles back at him and inquires, So, where do you think interest rates are headed? (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. Thanks again to AIM Port, an appraisal management platform built to reduce costs and elevate the borrower experience for lenders managing appraisal operations. Born from Appraisal Logistics, a full-service AMC licensed in all 50 states, AIM Port's robust integrations, custom automations, and granular reporting tools are delivering gains in efficiency and cost savings to lenders across the country. Go to aim-port.com for more information and to reach out to a team member today. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.